This is Jason Hansen, pastor of Anchor Church. Thank you for jumping onto our sermon podcast. My prayer is that as you listen to this sermon, you're encouraged in your walk with Jesus and that you live for him in all of life. Enjoy the sermon now. I was thinking about this text that we're going to be going through in Daniel chapter 3. And it reminded me of a game that people used to try and play with me um, when I was younger in high school and even in college, and maybe even later, um, it's a game called, called Would You Rather. Now, Would You Rather has many iterations. The one that people would play with me was, okay, here's the thing. Would you rather, um, I don't know, eat a scab or drink from the toilet, right? Now, my answer was always neither. I don't want to do any of those. And they said, no, no, you have to, ch- if you had to choose one, And what I always said was, I don't have to choose one. I don't want to do either one of those, and then I'd ruin the game for people. That's fine. But the thing is, that's a game, right? People go, okay, would you rather die this way or this way? And people go, oh, that's a good question. I got to figure out how, you know, which one I would rather do or which one I would rather not do. It's it's something that people do. It's this game that people do. My thought was always, I don't have to choose. I don't have to choose either one of those. I don't want to eat a scab or drink from the toilet. Both are gross, right? We don't, I don't need to do that. And it's one thing when it's a game, it's one thing when we get to spend time, you know, talking through, ah, which one would you rather, how, how, that's kind of funny. But in real life, we're faced with would you rather moments. We're faced all the time where we can't just get out of it. We actually have to choose. Let me give you an example. I was over in England once <clears throat> with a, the youth group that I was in went and did a choir tour in England. I know it was a rough life. We, we did that. We spent some time in England. And we went to this church that the, the ladies of the church had made all of us food, now, I don't know if you've ever been, you know, a traveler at all, or if you've been over to England. Let me just give you a, a little bit of an American lesson on food prep in England. Not everything there is edible. That's just, the way that it, that's just the way that it is. Not everything in England is edible. So we went over there, and the food that they gave us, it looked like cat food. That's not an exaggeration. I was wondering, what is this? Someone later told me it's corned beef hash. Don't know. I've never had corned beef hash. After seeing it, I don't want to have corned beef hash. But I sat there and I had to think, okay, would I rather eat the cat food and risk throwing up, which was a very real possibility, or offend every single person that just made this food for me? Which one is it? I have to make a decision. So I did what any normal person would do. I grabbed the napkins, put it in there, put it in my pocket, went to the bathroom and threw it in the trash, right? That's, that's what everybody would probably at least think about doing if you thought about it. But we're faced with this all the time. You go to friends' houses, you do these other things, and you're faced with these dilemmas of like, what would I rather do? And in the Christian life, this is no different. As a matter of fact, the Christian life is filled with would you rather questions, And we could go through a whole list of what those questions are. I have one for us this morning, just one. It's a would you rather question. I'm going to save it to the end. Because what I want you to do is I want want you to listen to this accounting of Daniel chapter 3. I want you to hear what what Daniel uh, is, what we're reading about in Daniel from Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. It's a very uh, famous story. We actually sang about it a little bit this morning. There's another in the fire. We, we, we've sing about this accounting, but what I want to do is I want to pull apart some of the accounting. I want to break it down a bit, and then I want to figure out how we can live it out. And mainly it's through a question, a would you rather question. And what I'm hoping this morning is it actually sets our hearts up to hear from the Psalms. 
And also, I hope that it sets your heart up to deal with turmoil, trouble, difficulty, questions of things like, where does God have me? Why is God have me here? What is God doing? Has God forgotten about me? Has God left me? Why am I struggling in this? Why am I going through this difficult season of life? Again, we talked about it last week. If you have not experienced trouble in the Christian life, you will. And if you're in the midst of trouble right now, it's going to be hard to see anything but the trouble and so I want to make sure we, pre- we prepare ourselves to deal with uh, the Psalms as we get close to it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read through uh, all of chapter 3, and it's a longer text, so follow along with me. And then we're just going to, I'm going to spend a few minutes breaking it down, a few minutes trying to figure out how we can live it out and hopefully propel us into the Psalm series, but also um, to encourage you. I want you to, this morning, to walk away encouraged to live your Christian life, even though maybe you are in the midst of trouble in a way that not just survives, but thrives trusting the Lord as we go forward. So Daniel chapter three, it's at this point of the sermon typically where I would give you the big idea. I'm going to wait on that. I'm going to give that to you at the end as well, because I think that they go together. So Daniel chapter three, beginning in verse one, King Nebuchadnezzar, who was the king of Babylon, he uh, took the the Israelites into captivity and now they're in Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold whose height was 60 cubits, that's 100 feet, and its breadth six cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar sent to gather the satraps, the prefects, and the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. I want you to notice how many times it says King Nebuchadnezzar set it up. This is not some real God. This is a man-made image that this king wants people to worship He'd set it up. Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, you are commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages. And when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. I also want you to notice how many times he mentions burning, fiery furnace, those exact words, because the author of this letter or this book of Daniel wants us to know that this thing was terrifying. It was a burning, fiery furnace. We haven't just called it like a fiery furnace. This thing was a burning, fiery furnace. It was meant to strike fear into those. It was meant to actually control people, strike fear into people when they wouldn't you know, do what the king wanted them to do. They'd get thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. And therefore, as soon as the peoples heard the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshiped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Therefore, at that time, certain Chaldeans came forward and maliciously accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. 
You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar in furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Now, this is always an interesting thing in a narrative. Whenever someone says, who is the God that can do this? You better believe that the God that we worship can do it. This is kind of the, this is kind of any king that says, God can't do that, just watch out, all right? If you're reading your Bibles, because God is about to do something miraculous and the, the story actually plays itself out that way. As you, if you've been around the Bible, you probably know. Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury and the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments for kindling, by the way. Like, let's get as much kindling as we possibly can. And they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Just the people that were around it die from the fire because it was so hot. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they fell into the burning, fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste and he declared to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. I love that answer. <laughs> They're not like, what do you mean? They just said, oh yeah, that's true. They're not one to get thrown in there. So yeah, yep, absolutely true, king. You're right. Everything you want to do, king. You ever see those, uh, those like um, Disney, you know, Disney uh, cartoons and there's always the little dog that's following around the big dog and the little dogs are like, yep, whatever you say, yep, let's do it. Let's go do it. That's these guys with the king. They're just like, yeah, whatever. Yep, there's, yeah, there was, there was two people. Okay, yeah, true, O king. And he answered and said, but... I see four men unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. Now listen, and the appearance 
of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fiery furnace and declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And the satraps, the prefects, the governors, and the king's counselors gathered toward, or together and saw that the fire had, not, uh, had no power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed, their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their houses laid in ruin, for there is no other god who is able to rescue in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. That's the word to the Lord of the Lord to us this morning. This is, this is God's word to us. Now, as we read through narratives, this is a narrative. There's different aspects of the Bible we read. We just got done with an epistle. It's a letter. This is a narrative. It's telling a story. Anytime you hear things that are repeated, so rep- repetition matters. And I don't, you know, as you read that out loud, you realize he's repeating lots of things. It all matters. We can't get to all of them this morning. But, but I, I pointed out a couple that I think were important. Here we are in this uh, letter, I guess this, this writing, this narrative of, of Daniel. It's Daniel's existence in Babylon and Persia. The Persians had, or the, the Babylonians had come in and taken over Jerusalem and pulled all the, the Israelites out and brought them to Babylon. It's called the Babylonian cat- captivity. And in the midst of Daniel's uh, pr- prophethood, you know, he's a prophet. In the midst of this, Persia takes over the Babylonians. And so Daniel, he spans both of those. And earlier on in this letter, we we see that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were all really good friends. And they were walking through this life in Babylonian captivity together. They They had defied the king's order about what to eat. You know, they were in the courts, and so they didn't want to eat meat. So they ate just essentially vegetables, and they thrived they thrived here. They grew and, and it, was, it was good. They were, they were doing well. And so the king actually had favor on them. We see Daniel right before this. Daniel was promoted because Daniel could tell what dreams meant. And the king had a dream and Daniel interpreted it. And so he was actually kicked up higher. And so Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were left where they were. They were still promoted, but they weren't where Daniel was. And here we find them in the midst of trouble because... Uh, they won't bow down to the idol that King Nebuchadnezzar, we're told, had set up. Now, 100 feet tall is tall. I was trying to think how to measure this for, for us to think through it. Go to football stadium, football lights, those lights that are on the f- high school football fields are 70 feet. So if you think about, if you think, think about you know, Campo Verde's right here, if you go look at out there, 70 feet high is where those big lights are. Think about another 30 feet up from that is how tall this was. I think, well, that's not terribly tall, but it's made of pure gold, all right? So this is a golden, 100-foot-tall statue that Nebuchadnezzar set up, wants them to worship. And these boys don't want to do it. Now, listen, I, I can imagine... 
as they're thinking about this, that they had communicated about how they were going to think about living in Babylon. There are no other Hebrews that we know that actually stood up to this command. No other Hebrews here, Jewish people, no other Israelites said, I'm not going to do it. You know why? Because a lot of times, and, and there's nothing terribly necessarily wrong with this, they probably thought, look, I'm just going to go along. I'm just going to bow down. I'm not doing it with my heart. It's just an action. I just don't want to die. Right? So they make a decision. These guys seem to have a plan to say, whatever the king asks us to do, it worked for us before, we are not going to do it if it violates our consciences and how we praise the Lord. And so they don't do it. And this burning, fiery furnace acts as though, it actually, not, not as though, it does act as something that actually causes people to fear. That they don't want to go into the fire. And so the king's using it that way. Into the fire is trouble. Into the fire is pain. Into the fire, it seems to be death. Into the fire is something you want to avoid at all costs. As a matter of fact, let's go outside of the fire. Look, I'm fine outside of the fire. I'm fine looking at the fire. I'm fine being around the fire. What I don't want to do is be in the fire. Being in the fire is a problem. We want to, as people... This is just how people are. We want to avoid pain, don't we? Say yes if you want to avoid pain. Yes, I want to avoid pain. I'm 45 almost, like I said. People, friends of mine go, hey, let's go play some basketball. You know what I usually say? No, thanks. You know why? I don't like pain. Yeah, I'm going to wake up the next day. My hamstrings are going to hurt. More, what actually goes to my mind is if I tear both my ACLs at the same time, what am I going to do? And if, and if someone does convince me to play, I usually tell them I'm not, I don't jump. Just so you know, I don't jump. They go, this is basketball. Yeah, no, I know, I just don't jump. I don't want to hurt myself. I don't like pain. So we try to avoid it at all costs when we think about this. And I, I think, church, Christian, we also, in terms of just, not just basketball life, tearing ACLs, jumping out of airplanes, going skiing, whatever we do that doesn't hurt ourselves, like me, I try to avoid all those things. We also don't like emotional pain. We don't like the feeling of having life crumble around us. We, we don't like pain. And like I said before, some of you have gone through lots of pain. Some of you, some of you actually, I don't know all of your stories, but some of you maybe have gone through even church pain, church hurt pain, family pain, confusion of life pain, lack of clarity for your next year or two pain. Lord, where are you? Why haven't you brought more of an answer here? If you're like me, I'm assuming you are, we don't like that. We'd rather just have easy, clarity, we know what's going on. There's no confusion. There's nothing outside of tomorrow that we can't see. We understand it all. The reality, though, is life isn't like that. Life has moments of trouble and trials and fires and pain. And we have to figure out how we walk through that, how we deal with that. And I think this text helps us some. Because as these guys sat there and they thought, I don't, I don't want to be in the fire. I don't like pain. 
They still thought, how do I relate, though, to trusting the God that I worship? Though there might be fire in my future, how do I process and deal with this? How do I live in light of these things? We, we want to actually learn from these, these men as we think through it. And so they stand up. The king brings them in. We just read it and says, now listen, these you know, conspiring, people conspired against you. I heard you weren't going to bow down to it. Listen, just, just bow down to the idol, all right? Let's look, I like you guys. Bow down to the idol. Let's just make it happen. Let's just do it. And what we read them say in verse 16, I'm going to try to do this without my glasses, 16, is that these guys answered the king and said, oh, king, let's, we have no need to even answer your question here. Again, this kind of goes to show they had a plan. They they talked about this. Like, we're going to do this. What are we going to do? We do together. We, we walk through this together. Look, we don't have any need to answer you in this. Because our God, the one that we serve, verse 17, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And definitely, he's going to deliver us out of your hands. Whether we live or die right now, he's delivering us from you. If he doesn't, in verse 18, deliver us from that fire, if we die, be it known to you that we will not serve your gods. So they stood up and they said, I know that there's pain. I know there's pain coming. Uh, if, if that happens, it happens. Um, but we are not going to bow down. What they're really saying is we are going to do everything that we can in our being to stand up and trust the God that we serve and believe he is for us and believe he is good. That's what they're saying. We don't believe your God's good. We don't believe he exists. Our God does. And we're choosing, though fire might be in our future, we are going to trust him still. This is what they're saying. This is how they're processing through this. This is how they're trying to understand all of this. And here's the interesting part about this text, because we could go like a thousand different ways in this text. Here, here's our point. This is a very simple sermon. It's really one thing I want to say. God, we see, meets them because there's a, a fourth person in the fire. He looks like the a son of the gods. He is the son of God. This is Jesus pre-incarnate standing in the fire with the men, protecting them. Now listen, what did it say they were hoping happens? This is so important. If it, if it be, in verse 17, that our God who was able to serve, that he can, he, he can, what does it say, deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. You know what's interesting? I think that that is oftentimes our expectation, that God delivers us from fires, the, the troubles, he delivers us from them. He keeps us outside of them. He moves so that we're not, you know, our prayers oftentimes are, God, would you help me to avoid the trouble? Help me to stay outside of the trouble. Help me to not be in the trouble. I don't like pain. Help me to avoid the pain. I don't like it. So our God is able to deliver us from it. He, look, we don't, I don't think we're going to get in that thing because God's going to protect us. But you know what? God does not deliver them from the fire. He delivers them while they are in the fire. And church, he, he delivers us to oftentimes in 
fires. There's, there are, again, like I said, there's a, there's a number of different things that we could actually focus on as we talk about this. We could spend a lot of times in this chapter of Daniel, but what I want to say this morning is very simple. We, in the midst of troubles, fires, the ones that you face, the ones that I face, in the midst of those is when God oftentimes is most near. We, we like to think God's going to meet us by showing us a way around the troubles. But oftentimes it's smack in the middle of the trials of life and the hardships of life that God says, here I am. Jesus meets them in the fire. And not just meets them in the fire, but meets them in such a way that they, they don't even feel it. Now that's not often our experience. We often feel the pain, don't we? It'd be really nice if God said, hey, not only am I going to let you be in the pain, but you're really not going to feel it. You know, you'll be in there and everyone's going to be, oh, amazed. And then a king is going to make a proclamation that nobody can speak against. Like we, we, we hope that this is our ending <laughs> oftentimes in our troubles. But oftentimes what happens to us is we feel the pain. And God says, let me draw close because I want you to feel me even more. And this is where God grows us and teaches us about himself. This really actually leads us to the one question I want to ask. The would you rather question. Here it is. Ready? Would you rather be outside of your fire, your trouble, and be far from God, far from Jesus? Or would you rather be in the fire when Jesus is right next to you? what would you rather do? Where would you rather be? I think your answer to that question will actually um, determine in some ways or at least demonstrate how you will react when you get in the midst of the trouble. Because church, trouble is coming. You, you realize life is filled with hardships Life is filled with, with, with things that we don't want to experience. If you're younger, you haven't probably experienced yet. Uh, if you experienced it yet, I, I remember when I was a, when I was a kid, um, I think I've shared this before. When I was a kid, I used to think, man, I cannot wait to get to heaven. I can fly, I think. I don't know. I didn't know anything. I can fly maybe. Like I can transport myself like Star Trek, I, I think. I don't know. But it sounds cool. So like I can't wait to get to heaven for that. But I also want to wait until the next Star Wars movie comes out. So Lord, would you just please hold off? Because I really want to see the next Star Wars movie. That's not a joke. Those were like my real prayers when I was younger. I want to see the next Star Wars movie. I want to be able to fly. Oh, I don't know. Which one's better? I don't know. Now, you know what I think? I think, Lord, um, Man, heaven, the things that I hold on to aren't flying and Star Trek. It's, it's the end of Revelation where it says, in that place, there will be no more tears or pain or crying anymore. Because you realize in life as you walk through it, man, it is hard. It's hard. The Christian life is hard. And the question when you answer this, hopefully you answer it in the way that says you want to be close to Jesus, you're going to realize it's in the midst of your troubles that oftentimes God just, he just draws so close. The question is, are we preparing our hearts to experience that? 
Or are we saying, oh, are we fighting? I don't want to be in here. You know, if Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego started kicking everybody and punching them and saying, don't, I don't want to go in there, they would have missed the blessing. But they didn't. They, they walked into the fire and they were unscathed because the Son of God met them there. And, and the live it out point as we prepare for the psalm series is simply this. As you think about what it means to praise the Lord actually in your life, what does that look like the next six weeks? Here's the, here's the question. Would you rather, this is just, this is it, live it out. All right, a big idea actually. Maybe big idea first, I didn't do that yet. In the fire, God is near. That's the, that's the big idea for this morning. There's one thing I want you to remember. It's in the fire, God is near. And the question I want you to answer and ask is the one I already asked, which is, would you rather be in the fire with Jesus or outside of it without him? Church, I hope you answer that question. How do you walk through hardship when you're in the midst of it? It's asking this question. If you're, right now, if you're struggling right now with something that you're trying to figure out, how do I process through this? How do I deal with this? Ask the question and answer it. Would I rather be in the fires of life, troubles of life, and have Jesus really close or be outside of them and have him really far off. And as Christians, I hope our answer is we want the resurrected Christ right where we are. Say amen if you believe that that's true. I want Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the king of all things, the king of the universe, the one that saved me from my sins, the one that has promised me future hope. I want that one right next to me, even though I'm in the trouble. I don't want to be that far away from him. You know why? Because there's moments, as Julie said earlier, where I want to reach out and I'll grab him and say, don't let me go. And I can't do that if he's far away. I want him close. God has a way of putting us in situations and putting us in, this, in moments of life where we have to depend upon him. And he will. He'll get us there. The question is, how do we respond when he does? I have the band come up. Julie, come up. Look, we, we are a people as Christians that hopefully have our full trust and confidence in the God that we serve. I hope that we do. I hope we have our full trust and our full confidence in the God that we worship, meaning that even in the midst of hardship and trials and struggles and pain and confusion and what we don't understand, even in the midst of that, we can say, I don't get it, Lord, but be near to me. I want you close. I don't want you far away. We want to make sure we walk into that as we, as we go. If you're not a Christian here this morning, we're about to take communion. And by the way, if you haven't gotten your communion cup, you can go do it right now. It's okay. I'm not offended if you get up and walk back there. This is for Christians. We, we gather together to take communion um, in part because we want to make sure that as we remember his death, we do so in how he commanded us to do it. If you're not a Christian, I want to make a plea to you. Um, Jesus can be near to you. Right now, he, he might, he might, he's not from the standpoint of being saved from your sins. You have this thing called sin that permeates your life. Sin is a real churchy word. What it means is it means that I like to do things my way. 
I like to go through life in my way. I don't want to give any account to who God is. I want to do my way. I want to, you know, I'm going to just go my own way and do my own thing and be my own person and make my own rules. And I'm going to go do that constantly. This is my life. It doesn't matter what God says. Even if God, I know there's 10 commandments, but you know what? I don't care. All of those things is called sin. It's going against who God is and what God has said. It's living life like as if God doesn't exist. And if you're not a Christian, if you haven't thought about something like, what does it mean when we people, Christians, wear crosses? And we talk about things like the resurrection, which might be weird to you. You go, why do they celebrate Easter? I just like the bunnies and the candy, you know. I like the bunnies and the candy too. But we also celebrate a risen Jesus who came out of a tomb. And he did that for you. If you're not a Christian, he did that for you. Here's, here's what it means for you. It just means that you need to say, I don't want to live my life on my own without being saved from that sin by Jesus and his death and resurrection. It's not rocket science. It's not mystical. It's just belief and faith. And it can be yours this morning. In a moment, I'm going to pray for you if you're not a Christian. I'm going to pray that God would meet you this morning. Maybe it's something that you've actually been thinking for a while, like, oh, maybe, maybe I should trust in him, but I don't really want to. I don't know how to do that. I'm just going to pray for you that God would meet you this morning. And then we're going to take communion together if you're a Christian. Um, we want to we celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning, and then we'll sing some more and be finished. So let me pray for us, and then we'll take communion together. Father, I'm so grateful that we have an opportunity to open up the Bible. It, it seems so simple. Lord, to look and see uh, what you've, how you work, how you met these guys in the midst of a difficult time, in the midst of a, something that seemed like they wanted to avoid, but they didn't. They were thrown into a fire, but you met them there. Lord, I pray that you would meet us there in, in the fires of life that we have. Lord, in our trouble and the things we want to avoid and the things that we don't want to walk into, I pray that you would meet us there. Jesus, I'm, thank, I'm thankful that even as these guys talked about you being the God that saves, and Nebuchadnezzar even recognizing this God saves. Lord, there's a, a salvation that is so much greater than this one that we experience. Jesus, it's you coming uh, in the form of, of a person, of a human being, living a perfect life, dying on a cross and being risen again. I'm so thankful for that. I pray that we would be thankful for that this morning. I do pray for anybody here or watching on the live stream who maybe is wondering, uh, should I believe in you like this? Should I trust in you to save me? Lord, I pray that they would pray a prayer this morning that would give their lives to you. Even something as simple as, Lord, help me know you because that's a prayer you want to answer. So I pray that you would meet them. But as we take the bread and the cup this morning, we eat this bread and drink this juice, I pray that you would help us to remember the joy of your death and resurrection for us. On the night that he was betrayed, Jesus, he took bread and he broke it with his disciples. And he said, I want you to eat this. 
I really hope that you were encouraged by the sermon today. You can learn more about us at anchorchurchgilbert.com. We'd love to have you join our mailing list. You can do that on the website. If you have any questions for us about who Jesus is, please let us know through our website. I hope that you were encouraged.